Welcome to TNT Wolverine, brought to you by Valiant Management Group. Here are your hosts, Jake Butt and Justin Rowe. Welcome to TNT Wolverine. I am Justin Rowe, joined by my co-host, two-time All-American. I'm going to keep saying that forever, Jake Please Butt. Do, yeah. I will. Yeah, I will. Because, well, you said it. There's not that many. There are, there are a decent amount of All-Americans out there. Only 25 two-time All-Americans, yeah. correct? So the reason I take such pride in it, I don't even think there's 20. Can we look really? that up? Can we look yeah. how many two-time, two-time All-Americans are up? And they better have my damn name on there, too. Because, <laughs> But, like, I mean, listen, dude. So I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. I grew up in a small town called Pickerington, 15 minutes from Ohio State's campus. I grew up a Buckeye fan. Okay, I grew and to come to Michigan, like I, I bleed maize and blue. I can't right. stand. I'm proud to go back in Columbus now that we finally beat them. But yep. I took such great pride in perfecting my craft here. And after my junior year, I'll never forget this. Um, I got nominated to be. I, I was an All American. Yep. And after that happened, Harbaugh comes up to me in practice. He's like, you know, Jake, the only thing better than being a one time All American is being a two time All American, and that's always stuck with me. And Michigan, what was so attractive to me, I, I enjoy the history, but there's such a rich history. And we have this board as you walk into the building of All-Americans, and it's separated by one, one-time All-American, two-time All-American, three-time All-American. There's only two three-time All-Americans, so you got to be different to be right. a part of that list. There's a pretty long list, but still elite for one-time All-Americans, but I'm pretty sure there's less than 20 two-time All-Americans. So I do take, take great pride in being a part of this historic uh, you know being a small part of the history here in the school so not in an egotistical way no, it's just no. like hey man like should, absolutely dude. i took a lot, a lot of pride me? in it yeah absolutely i mean it, it is a hell of an accomplishment is is jim a two-time all-american jim is not no no, no. so i yeah. mean you've got one up on him already, yeah then, yeah too. you yeah. better met, <laughs> make him know that as well it's um man yeah no it's uh there i was able to accomplish some things and there was a lot of things i wish i accomplished but that's that's one of them that's really really cool to be part of a really elite list nothing better than being a captain i know in our previous episode we talked to john jansen but as we talked about leadership on the team to be nominated by your teammates it's voted by everyone in the t- locker room to say hey will you you guys be the guys to lead us um and it's never just the captains there's so many guys that that lead you beyond that but that was probably the greatest honor of them all to be nominated captain by your teammates. Yeah, and so I, I want to ask you, what does that involve, or what does that like? What does that mean for you on a daily, weekly basis? Are you, you know, are you running some practices? Are you running lifts? I know we uh, on our Blue by Ninety podcast interviewed some of the players this past year, um, and they were saying like there were times throughout the year where they'd get done with practice. And they'd have a lift right after. And usually after a practice, guys kind of meander, make their way after treatment or after, you know, while they're getting done. Mm -hmm. But there were a couple times where Aiden came out and said, waits, 10 minutes, be there. Mm -hmm. Everyone's there with shoes on and every, you know, ready to go. Did you take that kind of role too? Or what, what was your, you know, how'd you go about uh, being a captain? The good thing that happened Mm -hmm. is I remember getting elected and we voted on it in camp. And um, the way I, I try to carry myself in the same way from my freshman year all the way until I was done playing, even to how I approach everything today. But I remember Jay Harbaugh came up to me. Man, it was so surreal. I just remember like walking out there, and even now as I'm reflecting on it, like what what an absolute fucking honor, man. Mm-hmm. Like there's like what an absolute honor. It is to even wear the winged helmet. It is to put on the pads to run out of that tunnel. Like I I can't really express it, man. Like I get it, I get emotional. That's why I moved back here after I retired. But 
um, I got off track there, but Jay Harbaugh came up to me and I'm still in this like haze of like, wow, what an absolute honor. And Jay was like, congrats, man. The good thing is, is you don't have to do anything different. Just keep doing what you've always been doing. And the way I look at leadership is you lead by example first. So when I would practice and I would love to get some of our former teammates in there, I didn't miss a rep of practice. Yeah. Like I took every single rep in practice. I took every single rep I was allowed to in the game. I played in that bowl game and I got injured. I had a 103 degree fever two days before the game. Like wow. I was in the hospital getting IVs. Seriously? Like people thought I was like I, J Jed Fish, our offensive coordinator at the time. He looked at me, came to visit me, and he looked at me, and I knew he what he was thinking. He didn't need to say it. So before he even said it, I'm like, I'm playing. I'm playing. You don't even. You know, so I, I feel it's so much more than just saying the right thing at the right time. Aiden said some timely things, but it's the way he carried himself. It's the way he approached his process. It's the way he played on the field. Guys gravitate that towards that. Where you set the standard, everyone else has to meet it. So it's not, it's not about the hoorah. It's about how you approach your off-season training, your, your weight room, your practice, and that becomes infectious. One of the best things about our 16 team, man, is there was so many dudes where we had lost so much in 13 and 14 that guys didn't need to be led. They were ready to go win themselves. Well, it's interesting you say that because we're sitting here in the middle of June and you're talking about making sure you get every rep. I want to know what these guys are going through right now, right? Mm -hmm. You've got they, – they went through spring ball – Yep, they have a couple weeks off, right? And now it's we talked about it before we we got on the podcast here. It's kind of, this is like the the fine tuning time right here before they get into camp, right? Yeah. So for the listeners, like you guys get to see the Saturday, you guys get to see the end product, but to understand how much goes into it, I mean, there's so much depth. So you finish the season this year, they went to the college football playoff. You have about a week off, and then you're starting winter conditioning. And, Congratulations. And, you you just won the Big Ten and went to the college football playoff. Here's a week off. Here's a week <laughs> off, man. Yeah. But, you know, when you want to be great, like, you don't want time off. Right, you right. you want – dude, that camaraderie is – it's like a drug, man. You want to be a part of it. Now that I'm on the other side, I deeply miss that. Yeah. Like, even the suffering, the hard days, like, I miss that because I was doing it with my brothers. You get about a week off, and normally you're so beat up and still sore. Like you're kind of re rebuilding from the ground up. Like You're not lifting heavy. You're not running too much. You're just trying to get the blood flow again. Then you have about an eight-week block where you're building strength, whatever, in anticipation for spring ball. You go through spring ball. You have another week off. Now you're in June and July. Like We're, we're sitting here. We're wrapping up June. Camp starts end of July. This is about a five-, six-week block. So you have a week down and then a week down before camp. You can't be lifting heavy before camp. That leaves you with a four-week block. And one thing that's interesting is in the, the summer semester, you're taking one credit. Right. So you have a lot of free time on your hands. You, you got to go to class like one hour, two hours twice a week. And it's usually like a dinosaur class or a volcano <laughs> class. It's the hard You're checking the box on that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, man, so you, you go there and you lift about two hours, five days a week. But then this is where the leadership piece comes in. We were hosting player-led practices when we were there. Like, we were going through individual drills. We're meeting tight ends and O-line, running backs. We're running routes versus air with the quarterbacks. We're doing one-on-ones against the defense. We're doing seven-on-seven. Seven. This, this is where if you want to repeat the success of last year, you better, you better find a way to raise the bar even. You know, you better not be patting yourself on the back. You want to say, hey, last year was great, but we, did, we weren't national champions. There's still more to be had, so we have to find a way to do even more this year. So you do your lifts, 
You better work your technique as a player. You better work your identity as an offense and a defense and as a team. That way, when you hit camp, you're not waiting a week to get into the rhythm of camp. You're already going into camp with the rhythm. That just It's just getting ahead. You know, At this level, you don't get 20 30 40% better. Right. You're already so good. The ceiling's so high. You're chasing edges, right. 1%, 2%. And that's what this summer's for. So, you know, I'm sure that Cade McNamara and a lot of other guys are going out there. You're talking about player-led practices and workouts and things like that and doing that. And, I, you know, 100% they're doing that. But we heard a lot during the season about J.J. McCarthy and Andrew Anthony and Donovan Edwards, some of these freshmen, these young guys that are after a long road trip, they're still going out to the practice mm-hmm. field and they're, you know, running routes and doing stuff like that. How much of an impact does that make when not only are your senior guys, your veteran guys do, you know, leading that type of stuff, but you're also getting the young guys in there that are pushing and doing that type of stuff. Does that just elevate the whole team? You get me fired up right now. <laughs> I, seriously though, because like I've been a part of bad cultures. I know what losing looks like. Yeah. I know what when there's guys that are trying to cut corners but they want the praise, right. you're going to lose a lot of fucking games. Mm-hmm. You had the senior leadership last year leading by example, but you also had the young guys that are like, hey, I know you're the starter, but understand this, and I'm your friend. I'm coming for your job. I want to play. That's a sign of a healthy culture. There is nobody that's like, nobody's too good to be competed against. Like every day you have to prove your job. That is that is what football, that's what makes football so special. It is so challenging mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all season long. Like it demands your best every single day. So the fact that we have young guys that are coming in here, led by JJ, the quarterback, Andrew Anthony, um, shoot, Blake, Donovan Edwards, guys that are saying like, I want more always. There's like this obsessive approach to it. That tells me Michigan's in very good hands for years to come. So um, culture matters, identity matters. When you have guys competing and pushing each other, it's going to lead to on-field success. It just becomes an inevitability at that point. So let's go back to that weight room and what's going on in that in that room right now because these guys are, are – you're grinding, right? And you're making sure that you have – everything you need you're you're putting up all right i got to get five more pounds on the bar today right Mm -hmm. and and i got to get better and we're doing this until until we get it right um and so tell me about the grind of that because was there ever a time where you did say oh man i i woke up today i'm not feeling it oh all the time you wake up and you're not (laughs) feeling it you know that's the beauty of of this sport though and that's the beauty of being a human being is you get to you're not alive unless you're trying to find out your absolute limit. In football, you know, that's perspective. Some guys say, ah, man, screw this, man. I want to go home. Like right. this is. But other guys say, like, hell yeah, I get to find out how deep I can go. And every year you raise your ceiling. You know, when we'd run gassers, and what a gasser is, is you look at the field horizontally and you split up between the skill position, like the receivers in the corners, the O-line, D-line, and then the, bit, the tight ends, the linebackers, the fullbacks. And you got to run horizontally across the field and touch the line and then run back, and you have to do it in a certain amount of time limit. If you touched with the wrong foot, they'd say right foot or left foot. If you touched with the wrong foot, if you missed the line, or if you missed your time, the rep didn't count for the entire team. So you'd go in there, and you're supposed to run, and it's humid, it's hot. You'd go in there, you'd be like, all right, at the middle of summer where you're in peak conditioning, you got to run 16 reps. But guys are tired, and what happened? They touch with the wrong line, the wrong foot. They missed the line. 
the whole team that rep doesn't count. So there, there was times where we're running 26 reps, and I remember just sweating so much that I would, I was literally spraying water out of my cleats. It's so hot, <laughs> you can't chug water. You're gonna throw up. So right. you have to li- really limit. You'd be on the verge of blacking out, you know. And it's like that that movie Miracle. Yeah. Again, again, again. again you know. But if you want to be great. That's where you find out how everyone wants to be great and says they can be great when shit's easy. Yeah. It's only when shit gets sticky do you find out what, what kind of person you are and what kind of team you're going to have. So, um, again, going back to that leadership, I think we have a, a clear identity and leadership on offense. We're returning so many veteran leaders. I'm interested to see who's going to separate the pack from the pack on the defensive side of the ball because you do need an Aiden Hutchinson. You do need a Josh Ross, a Daxon Hill, whoever it might be. You do need a clear voice, and that's built here in the summertime. Hey, guys, we got some, uh, some bad news here. What's that? Jake was never an All-American. You can't find anything about you. Oh, All-American, so wow. It never happened. I don't think you've won one yet. I have seen your picture, though, up in Shenbeckler. You've got Fake a news. very nice sweater on. I think you had some I'm like chest hurt hair. Right now. That's right. I'm absolutely hurt. Oh my god! Are you? Do we have to end end the podcast? Am yeah. I fired? Like I'm not <laughs> even like worth it. Like it's false advertising. That is. That's little... crazy. Are you serious? You can't find <laughs> it. You can't find it. Anyway. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Listen, uh, we can go. I'm going to go take a picture of inside the building to, to get proof of this, okay? All right. I mean, Two all right. time All American. Let me see if I can't find something like this. No way. There's got to be something out there. Wikipedia. He edited his own Wikipedia, probably. You're a two time All American, but I can't find anyone else. There's no list of. You're a two time All American in my heart. That's Thank all you, I guys. Know. There we go. Yeah, you say, maybe you say there's less than 20, but. Well, there's no, no. Okay. All right. You know what? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. No, it's Listen, good. we'll figure it out. I, you know, I did watch you play. I do remember that. Um, you did very well out there. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, was there? Do you remember a time, whether it be during the summer or in camp, that they're going into in a few weeks, where you guys at? Was there ever a moment where you're like, man, this is like, I feel like our team is going to the next level. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the moment. We've talked to, you know, uh, Jack, on Blue by 90, we talked to Brad Robbins and, and Jake Moody and, and a lot of those guys, and they're saying, like, this past year, there were times in the summer and in fall camp where it was just like the energy was different. Yeah. They had the music going. Things were different. Did you feel that ever when yeah. you were in camp and in the summer? Well, you know, you don't. You, you never talk about like what could have happened or what should have happened. Right. But I thought that sixteen team was really special, and we yeah. fell just short. You know, the JT was literally short. Ohio State yeah. game. Obviously, we lost to Iowa. Should have never lost to him. But that team really was extremely talented and really, really special. And there was many times where, like, I'd come in the building to get extra work thinking, like, hey, like, I'm just going to go catch some passes, catch some tennis balls or whatever. And there I see, like, Jordan Lewis, full-on sweat, just practicing his dropbacks on his own. You know, you see offensive linemen meeting in the film room. Um, And then when you practice, you know, in my early years in Michigan, our offense would get our ass kicked by that Michigan defense. And you would, like, be hopeless in practice. You're like, man, I don't know. We're playing Michigan State this week. We, we don't have an answer. 
when you know you're special is when you're in camp and the defense has a day where they kick your ass, but then the offense comes back the next day and throws a haymaker right back at them. And you love the process of competing, understanding what it's going to lead to more wins. So there's little hints of it, but ultimately you don't know until you start having success. So as I look at this team and I look at the early season schedule this year, we're going to find out a lot about who this team is, those first three games, and they're going to find a lot out about themselves. But the ultimate test is when you hit conference play and you start to play Michigan State, Penn State. Um, obviously, Ohio State's at the end, but you better have an identity by then. So the other thing that they obviously have, too, and we're going to talk about a lot of this as we, you know, like I said, we're in the middle of June right now, and it, I, I was fired up a little bit. I am fired up. Just honestly, this past Saturday, it felt like football weather. It was like 61 degrees mm-hmm. when we woke up. Felt good. I'm so ready for football, and we're going to talk about that a lot as we go along. But these guys have the target on their back now, and they always have just because it's Michigan, mm-hmm. right? So – What's that feeling like when you know that you walk into any building out there and they hate you? They for sure have this game scheduled. It's hilarious. I see out there, you know, Michigan already has three rivals in Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State. And then Penn State is out there, mm-hmm. like, hating Illinois. You know, they're, they're, it, it's just never ending. The list is never ending. What's that feeling like where you know that they have been preparing for this specific game For the last 364 days. You always have a target on your back here. Every just because the way we carry ourselves, we're the leaders in the best, we're the winningest football in all winningest program in all of college football. So you know you're gonna get the best from every single team. There's this fine line between having a target on your back and then when it then crossing over to the other side where it's imposing your will and it becomes, you know, uh, an identity of, yeah, we actually are the best. You know it and we know it. And we're going to impose our will on you. And, like, if you don't want to believe it before the game, you're going to be bruised and bloody after the game. You're going to understand what Michigan football is about. So, um, you know, last year you saw that with Ohio State where yeah. – hey, you know, you already know what that game's going to be. But those guys took it to another level and said, like, hey, we actually are who we say we are. And we are willing to do something special that hasn't been done here in a long time. Now, as you look at this year, you got to do it again, you know. Because if you do it once, they're going to say, hey, you know, Blind Squirrel just found a nut. If you do it again, that again becomes identity. Then when you line up to play Ohio State, that belief becomes, hey, we know we're going to beat you. And they're on the sideline wondering whether or not they can actually beat us but it takes repeated wins and repeated success to get there. Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk a lot about that a lot more. We'll dive deep into a, you know, a lot of different things here, whether it be your playing days, how you feel, you know, and then uh, previewing uh, a lot of Michigan football as well. But we've got some questions here that we wanted to talk about. Just in, you know, there's been a lot going on in the world of NIL, which we've obviously mm-hmm. talked about with Jordan Acker and Jared Wangler a couple episodes ago. Um, but there, a couple weeks ago, there were the, the there was the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher controversy, and they were going at each other. And there's just you know now that it involves money and it's out on the table, it kind of feels like coaches are outing each other a little bit yeah. when we kind of all knew this was going on behind the scenes, especially when you're talking about the SEC, right? So, um, what's your take on the the Saban versus Jimbo uh, feud? I thought it was hilarious coming from who it came from, from right. Nick Saban, man. I mean, I remember I was at Nike. I was at a Nike camp uh, called The Opening out in Oregon my junior year. And there was a certain player that played down south that 
this was before NIL, so this was under the table, but he mm -hmm. dropped a duffel bag at the end of the camp, unzipped it, and said, if y'all want the money, y'all already know where to go. And it was probably the most cash I've ever seen in my life. It was easily 50 grand. It might have been – I don't have no metric to measure oh how much God. cash it was, but stacks of $20 bills. So, you know, be careful <laughs> what you say when you say that. And I think you could see in Jimbo Fisher's tone and, and the way his lip was uh, – yeah. there was true anger, like, are you seriously right. the one to say this right now? Um, you know, this is – you never want to be the grandfather that's sitting on his porch saying, get off my lawn. Yeah. Like, like Jansen said on the previous episode, this is just the way college football is now. If you complain about it, you're going to get lapped. Find a way to make it work for you. That's how you find long-term success. I'm here for it. I mean, I remember I was a very big advocate, and I thought it was extremely wrong that I would see 88 jerseys up in the stands or people with clever, like, butt-isms, you know. <laughs> a lot of people were making cash off me. Same with Jordan Lewis, Denard Robinson, how, yep. many, how many jerseys they sold of him, even though he didn't have his last name on right. it. This is a long time coming. I still think the dust needs to settle. Like, right now you're seeing some very, very high volatility of what this NIL space is going to be. Long term, it's going to settle and be a little bit more realistic. But I think it was just inevitable that this was going to happen. And I think it's good for these guys to get a chance to capitalize on their name. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, one question I have, and this is I, I want to hear Jared Wangler's take, you know, in a few episodes as well. And we heard from uh, Jordan Acker as, uh, as well, too. But how does Michigan keep the brand? How do they stay ethical and moral? But, can, but compete in this space because it does seem like you go down to the SEC, even Ohio State, honestly, and it's win at all costs. Mm -hmm. They don't care if it's, you know, above the law, below, like whatever it is. They, they just want to win no matter what. How do you, if you're Michigan, stay, you know, toe that ethical line, uh, but you still need to do some things in order to compete for a recruit these days? The way things are going in the South, I think, could play into Michigan's hands the way Michigan's handling NIL. When you pay a recruit seven figures before they've proved themselves, what that can do for your culture is dangerous. You have veterans that are saying, well, who the hell is this guy? Right. He's making seven figures, and I bled for you, yeah. and I'm a starter, and I'm a real producer for this team. Why am I not getting that money? That's just the way the world works. So when you have teams that are paying – Sometimes it's even more than just one seven figure. It's multiple seven figures. Right. What you see with Jared Wangler, Valiant, and the uh, champion circle here at Michigan is they're trying to actions follow incentives. They're trying to incentivize on-field success. And they're going to show recruits, hey, if you come here and prove yourself, you can make all the money in the world. Yeah. And Michigan's brand will take you a long, long way. So I don't think Michigan wants to get in the bidding war from a recruiting standpoint. But what they do want to do is say, hey – Come here. You know what this brand is. You know this is a worldwide brand. If you have on-field success, you're going to get paid. You're going to get paid really, really well, and the connections you make will probably make you more than any NIL deal um, would have made you anyway. So they're thinking long-term, and they're, the way they're incentivizing things is going to lead to a healthy culture amongst the team. I think that could lead, lead to more long-term success. So it'll take time to play out. Yeah, and you're talking about the culture of of inside the locker room and of the team. I was actually talking with my future in-laws yesterday about this. We're talking NIL. My fiance was a former Michigan athlete as well, so she, you know, they're like, all we wanted was a scholarship. You know, they mm -hmm. were happy with that. And and how? But 
the, you know, they talked about even from a scholarship player to a walk-on, there's a little bit of animosity there, right, of like, hey, I'm a walk-on, I'm doing the same thing, I'm going to the same practices and workouts you're going to. That's, you know, tenfold now if the quarterback's making seven figures and that lineman's making, you know, 50K or something like mm-hmm. that, if that, right? So how does that work? And how is, how is a team, how does a coach even go about that or a captain go about that and say, hey, we're, even though the money's different, we're all on one playing field here. We got to move as one unit and go forward. There's a few things. Um, you understand that the more you win, the more money everybody gets paid. Right. So, you know... And then there's another thing that I learned in the NFL is you never count another man's money. If you don't like it, find a way to make yourself more marketable. Yeah, it's free will, man. You have the same 24 hours as somebody else. Obviously, a quarterback's going to be more marketable than any other Always. position. So, like, you know, I think there's some level of understanding there. But, um, you know, as long – just don't count another man's money, man. If you don't like it, find a way to get on the field more. Find a way to make more plays. The money will then come to you, you know. So – there's a small percentage of people that are going to make life-changing money here. The overwhelming majority. Yeah, you can make 5000 10000 20000 You said here, not even just here, but in college athletics yes, as a whole. Right? Yes, that's a great. That's the point I was trying to make. Right. In college athletics as a whole, there's a handful of guys. There's maybe one or two guys on maybe 10 to 20 teams that have the, the marketability to make millions of dollars a year. The rest of you? You're looking at fifty thousand dollars, maybe you know, over the course of your career. Maybe it's twenty, thirty thousand. That's still an unbelievable amount of money. So, um, if you're complaining about that, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I. But I do think that um, it, it's probably always been a little bit of an issue, right? But now it's just kind of coming to the surface. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. I think you are correct in the fact that Michigan could play out as the good guy, you know, after the fact. Yes, maybe they're not winning the race to the eight, you know, $8 million player. That's okay, mm-hmm. right? Because what are the chances that that $8 million player, like, is going to actually live up to $8 million? Yeah. And then there's going to be animosity between him and the coach and the university and whatever it is. So it's just going to be something that plays itself out, and I think that Michigan will end up – as you know, as possibly the good guy. How about that guy, uh, Quinn Ewers, the yeah. five-star quarterback, right? So the way this process works is you have a collective. Someone somewhere, I'm not going to name names, said to this collective, hey, we really need this quarterback. Okay, well, how bad do we need him? Well, we need <laughs> to pay him a million dollars. Not saying it was a coach. Someone somewhere so, said, somewhere along we the need this guy. So a donor said, all right, we'll get him a million dollars. It's a big check. Dude comes there, never plays, and transfers after a year. Well, that million dollars, you might as well have lit it on fire for a bomb. What does that do for your relationship with the booster and the school? Well, screw you guys, man. Like, you just told me we needed this guy, and he bounced after a year, you know? So you're protecting yourself on all angles by saying, listen, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. Earn your way to that money. Right. If you are worth that, you will absolutely get paid it. But we're not just going to hand it to you for doing nothing. That's, that's not doing you any justice either. Yeah. And then I think there's the next level, too, of, all right, guys that are trying to make it to the next level of the NFL, and then there's NFL agents that make their way into it. And we already know that even before NIL, NFL agents made their way into the college space when they saw you know yeah. somebody that was going to possibly make it, right? So I think there's just so much going on. I, you know, One question I have as well is, how do you keep your head as a, as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid? 
when there's that much money, there's a million people in your ear saying, come do this. How do you trust anyone? How do you keep your circle tight? It, it's, it feels impossible. It probably actually is impossible. You know, like it's just, it's just natural to, to, to look at your bank account and be like, man, I'm not going to sociology class today. Like, what do you yeah, mean? I'm, I have half a mil in my bank account, right. you know? Like, no one's going to tell me, you know, shit. But some guys will be humble. I think Michigan has an unbelievable group of young men, the way they've carried themselves throughout this whole process. There doesn't seem to be one single ego. But what's probably going to happen, man, and, and what happens to a lot of guys just being on the other side of the NFL, some guys, you're going to have to go through an ego death. You're going to have to experience this massive peak, and you'll be freaking high on life. Yep. You're going to get to the NFL, and you're going to be humbled. And you're going to realize that that peak wasn't real and the valley wasn't real. The only thing was real is your process. So don't focus on the dollar sign. Don't focus on the destination. Focus on the journey. And the money will come to you. The success will come to you. The on-field time, the on-field making plays, all that will come to you. So um, it's just the inevitab inevitability of life. Some guys are going to have to learn some tough lessons. Did you did you come across that at all while you were playing in college, where you had people trying to you know use you essentially or come to you with whether it be money or sponsorships or you know come do this and I'll do that and, and like you had to fight it off at all? I'll tell you, man. Like, no, I don't know a single guy. Truthfully, I don't know a single guy that made money like when they really? were playing. Like, because obviously NIL wasn't around; it was completely yeah, yeah. illegal. No one. Not once did somebody approach me for that, you know? I would always be willing to, you know, sign an autograph for a kid or yeah. FaceTime with a kid. I just enjoyed doing that kind of stuff. But, um, And I'm thankful in a sense that we didn't have to deal with this because it is a greasy business, man. Everybody wants a piece of it. Well, and, and also I think it's like, all right, do you really feel good about signing that autograph when, you know, you know you're – Instead of it just being for the love of the kid yeah. and the game, you're, like, making 20 bucks off it or whatever. It know? changes it, absolutely, yeah. man. Like, after a game, when you're going around, you sign an autograph to a kid and you see, like, the sheer joy. But, like, man, it does change it if somebody drives, like, halfway across the state and they pay 60 bucks for your autograph. Like, it, that, it becomes way more transactional. It takes the joy out of it a little yeah. bit. But, hey, man, you know, at the same time, you've earned that right to, to make some cash. So yeah. I see both sides. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the thing is ultimately that's the whole point of Valiant Management Group in this NIL collective. Uh, the champion circle is to compensate the, uh, the student athletes as they deserve. Yeah. Right. And it's not to be anything more than that. Right. It's not to be uh, anything that's going to be sketchy or anything like that. It's really just what do these guys and girls deserve that they have come to the University of Michigan and they have put in a shit ton of work. You know more than anybody, like how much work that is. Um, we actually were, were, was it us that were talking about it? Or I can't remember who we were talking with, um, that th they were saying like, yeah, the, um, oh yeah, we were talking about the business school. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, some, t some people on the, on the academic side of things think, oh yeah, you're just putting in, you know, 20 hours of, of practice a week. And you're like, no, not even, not even. I applied for the business school. 
All right, man. Yeah, no. So I applied for the business school after my sophomore year. And we're not hating on the No, 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 we're not. School. And they've no. got a lot, and they've corrected it a lot more. Um, but, like, I remember applying for the business school, and you go to interview with them, and they're like, yeah, you know, so, like, what is it? Like, you spend a couple hours a week, you know, playing, like, like I'm like I'm playing, like, a video game or something like that. Like, no, man, I dedicate my literal life to this <laughs> yes. stuff. From the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. It's 20 hours minimum. But, like, dude, you got to get there an hour to get taped and get treatment. You're staying an hour late to get extra work. It. it ends up being 40 50 hours on top so um it's it's a lot of work um and, and it's you know it's worth it because you ultimately get to reap the rewards of your hard work when you win football games on saturdays i love it well i you know what i want to get to get to talking with you at some point here in the future is is just what it is like to be that michigan student athlete to live that life to be the the two-time all-american which we're <laughs> I guess we're, we're just going still up on in the air. honor now. Yeah. Just, the honor system. I'm gonna I, lose yeah. all credibility honestly, if like this yeah. is just. I'm gonna. If my you, whole world will be shattered. If you're a listener out there, can and you can confirm. You know, tweet at Valley at U of M or Blue by ninety or or one of us or Jake himself and just confirm because I think Jake's struggling a little bit I currently. Um, we do. I'm pretty sure of it, but you know. It's just tough. <laughs> well, once I'll go into Schembechler. I'll take a picture of your portrait right. up there. You did look cute in the sweater, Thank too. You. So, Thank yeah. you. Um, As you walk into the doors before you enter, take a left. There's an all-American wall right there. All right. You'll see it. All, all right. Right. right in the museum? I promise. Okay. Yes. All right. Perfect. Um, well, you know, before we take off here, what do you got going on here? Anything? Uh, what are your personal plans for the, for the week here? Oh, shoot. What do we got this week, man? We've had so many. We had 15 weddings we were invited to this year. It's at, we've been My to like, goodness. we've been to like seven already. You got to be, stop being so popular. I, dude, it's football, man. <laughs> like you play in college, you play in, you play it's in the league. Time. Natalie, my fiance, played lacrosse here. So it's just, a, my mom's one of 16. Oh, my, my God. My dad's one of eight. Wait, we have a what? massive family. That could be a whole podcast episode. Dude, you got to go back that. and like look at uh, – we had called it the butt army. We'd be like 25 <laughs> deep. Like Everyone would have a custom butt jersey from my oh family my at the game. So, yeah, we were deep. So um, we're just going to take a breather and, and, and chill a little bit, catch our breath, because we have four more weddings here in July and August. And we're moving to Chicago potentially um, as I get into color broadcasting. So – yeah. You got a lot going on. I and then myself. I, I got was going to say, wedding. yeah, yeah, I yeah. I got my own wedding coming up in a month here, so I'm trying to figure that all out. Turning thirty. Turning thirty this Happy weekend. Happy birthday! Thank you. Uh, bachelor parties this weekend, and this. If I make it back, I I will continue this podcast. But Good. if I, you know, if I don't make it back, maybe Monday morning we'll have to push it back to like Tuesday <laughs> or Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, Jake might need to find a, a new co-host. Yeah, yeah, for real. I don't think real. you're gonna be able to make it Monday. <laughs> <laughs> We'll uh, we'll send you pictures from the from the pool party that's going on, but um, no, it's it's we've got a lot of exciting things uh, going on in both our lives, and and we're just super excited to be here and talk. The thing is, like I I know the the fun thing about talking to you, Jake, is yes, you were the student athlete, you were you know a big time athlete here at Michigan, but. You talk about it like you're a fan as well. Oh, yeah. You do I am a fan. Yeah, yeah, which is so awesome. And it, and that was so what was so much fun about talking to John Jansen on the last episode, too. You know, myself, I, I grew up as a fan, and now, you know, I'm here doing some media stuff. But it's just – I think there's a difference of – at the University of Michigan, you just have so much passion for it, yeah. too, right? Yeah, it's a special place, man, seriously. I mean, just even, even to be back here, like – 
my first game I, playing in the league, I didn't get to go back to so many games. But last season, after I retired, I was able to go to games and like, man, I, I would get tears in my eyes. It just is that special of a place. Like, I mean, there is no place like the Big House. One hundred ten thousand plus people really bleed. Uh, maize and blue the the history of a hundred plus years there, there's nothing that compares to it so i'm excited to dive into this stuff and for the listeners man interactive reach out if you got yeah. questions for justin or questions for me like hit us on the podcast hit us in the comments we'll, we'll be sure to touch on it and uh we want this to be a michigan podcast including the listeners we want to include you guys absolutely we'll have intern brandon and jack put out some uh some polls and some uh things Great. and you can tweet at them uh so go to Valiant U of M on Twitter and Instagram, Jake Butt T E on Twitter and Jay Booty on Instagram. For myself, uh, it's Justin Row ninety two on Twitter and at Justin underscore Row on Instagram. We appreciate you, listeners. Go blue. Go blue.